0: Hello and welcome to the sixteenth episode of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingber, and I'm your host. And before we get started, I want to give special thanks to our our sponsors this week: Expand the Room and Treehouse, and we'll talk about them as we get as we go through the show. But now I want to I want to welcome uh, Ada Bernier, a self taught developer and founder of Skillcrush, an online com- learning community uh, where you can gain the digital skills every forward thinking professional must know. Welcome, Ada. And uh, before we get started, or as we get started, for people who don't know who you are, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. So, my name is Otta. And I live and work in Brooklyn, New York. And I've been running for Skillcrush for a little over a year and a half. So, coming in on two years now. Um, Before that, I ran a different business, I ran a website design and development company, sort of like a small agency. Um, and before that I was an underemployed, you know, struggling to make it work in New York, uh, you know, liberal, liberal arts major, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, with like lots of, um, you know, lots of, I don't know, lots of time spent in the library in college and very, very little to show for it when it came actually into doing some, you know, working in the workforce. Um, Yeah.
0: Awesome. So you're like so many other people that I know who are learning how to code. So what, uh, what, how did you get your start on the web? Like what was the first thing you did and sort of, you know, what gave you your intro to building on the web?
1: Um, yeah, so I graduated from college, um, with a double major and one of my majors was photography. And I was very lucky that um, in retrospect, that I came into photography at a time when it was really going from analog to digital. And so even though I shot film, I um, scanned all the film and then printed digitally. And what that meant was just that I spent a lot of time on Photoshop. So that was sort of like the one thing I had to put on my resume was that I knew how to use Photoshop, um, which turned out to be very fortuitous. And what happened then was I worked, I came into New York and I was like, I'm going to be an artist and a photographer. And I worked for some photographers and quickly realized that, um, it wasn't as sexy as I am glamorous as I thought it would be, (laughs) especially not working for artists. And, um, and then I uh, was like, you know, screw this. I can't take it anymore. Um, and I quit both of my jobs and I went out into, you know, the job market, quote unquote. And um, I ended up as an online photo editor at an online magazine called Flavor Pill, um, oh. which you may be familiar with. Yes, I am. And, um, and it, was, it was, you know, they called me like photo editor, but it was really like, you know, prop images all day long and upload them into the CMS. This is, you know, very titillating, exciting work that I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, although, Flairville's an awesome company. But, um, but basically, what, what came to pass is that I got to the point where I could do that really quickly and then had a lot of time on my hands. And I was lucky enough that they had um, sat me with a production department. So the company was sort of split into three groups. It was, um, editorial, which was all the writers, production, which was basically all the developers and me, and then um, sales. And, and basically, I just, you know, I just became really fascinated. I think I'm just, you know, I'm a little, I'm a curious person. Um, And I found it really interesting and fascinating that there was this sort of Thing that was being worked on um, you know there's a whole group of you know guys of course um, you know working furiously on this thing and it was kind of the foundation for the you know for the entire business it really was the engine that ran the entire business but it was like where is it like I just kept you know I remember sitting there and being like what like what is this thing that like how do they do it where is it like I want to see it like where, what is this thing where are the
0: code? where are the hamsters on the wheels
1: exactly <laughs> kind of powering this whole thing um and basically I was really lucky that um you know and I think honestly like I think this is really common especially when you're in sort of media which is that these organizations are always chronically understaffed in the production department and um and basically like they needed help and there I was like a willing pair of hands who was already on the clock um and they were more than happy to let me help them
0: well that's awesome
1: um and so that began you know it began by me sort of just sitting in on production meetings and just sort of like you know shadowing them and understanding what it was that they were doing and that was my first introduction to just i mean i really i really knew nothing right so i was just like it was the first time i'd ever heard things like user experience or product development or product design or you know any of these things and and it was interesting too because like I did know photoshop really well but I did not know it in context of web design I knew it in terms of photo editing um so I remember also like you know the designer like sent me one of his PSDs and I was like this is so interesting I've never seen photoshop used this way um yeah and it just sort of went from there and then you know like one day I like had a product idea and I like pitched it to them and they were like and they were on board with it. And so then we built it. So that was my first time, um, you know, building a product, like a little feature on a product. And um, and I just found, like, I found it, like, it was, like, everything I had wanted, like, photography to be in terms of being creative and interesting and interactive. And it was, you know, and you could, like, put something out there and then you could um, analyze how it performed. Like, that was, like, really exciting to me because um, I just, I, I, Found myself being like, how do we know what we're doing is what the people want? <laughs> like which is this really interesting <laughs> central question, I think, in any business, and it's always really, really hard.
0: Yeah, and then off the web, there's really no way to fully understand what people actually want. You know, yeah. on the w- on the web you can figure out like, oh, they've clicked this a million times, they get it, and they haven't found this other thing. Um, but you know, everywhere else in like the real world you can't really figure that out.
1: Well, it was so I mean, I think this this speaks to something that I've found really fascinating as somebody who's come into sort of, you know, the working world in the last ten years at the same time that like it's specifically into the media world and the whole advertising business model has totally collapsed. And realizing that like it was all smoke and mirrors before this, like you're <laughs> like, Why isn't it working anymore? And it's like, Oh, because now they can track it and they know how horribly ineffective it is. And it's just <laughs> like everyone's like, Wait a second, like I'm not gonna spend money on this anymore. Um yeah, anyway, so yeah, so that was sort of where I got my start, and um, and then to make a very long story short, um, through a series of unfortunate mishaps, um, or perhaps very fortunate, I ended up unemployed, and this is in early 2009, and... Um, Basically, I had gone through, at that point, two layoffs, sort of watched two or, I guess, maybe three layoffs, sort of rounds of layoffs at two different companies uh, in the succession of a couple months. And what I had seen, you know, sort of reaffirmed and reaffirmed, was that um, they'll lay everyone off before they'll lay off the developers. (laughs) Like, everyone. Like, they will, like, scrape the bottom of the barrel. And I was kind of like, hey, like, it'd be really cool if... um, I didn't get laid off next time this happens. Um, and I happen to have a lot of time on my hands. So I, I sort of put two and two together and, um, you know, started to learn to code.
0: That's awesome. So when you started to learn to code after the unfortunate, or some might call it fortunate at this point, circumstances of being laid off, how did you go about, you know, your structuring your learning process? I mean, in 2009, you know, today there's so many things that you can use, whether it's Skill Crush or any of the other hundreds of other websites and tutorials out there. But in 2009, it was really just that, you know, those tutorials weren't as, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they just weren't as organized. Um, So how did you go about, you know, figuring out what to learn, how to learn it and how to build on what you learned previously?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great question and it is really, really amazing. Um, I mean, cause even when, even two years ago, when we thought of the idea for skill crash, like it's changed so much just in the two years that we've been building the company. Um, so, you know, I was, I mean, basically what saved me was that at that point I had sort of amassed a small group of friends who were working as developers. Um, and you know, and they were really able to guide me. And that was, that was hundred percent what allowed me to do it. So I, I mean, I, I remember buying some like book, like it was like visual guide to HTML or something. <laughs> I remember like trying to learn HTML out of the book and just being like, I don't understand this at all. Like this makes no sense to me. Um,
0: <clears throat> I can't, I can't even tell you the number of books that I've owned. It's like learn HTML in 10 days, learn HTML visually. And it does not work. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, it's funny because, yeah, yeah, I, I, I have to say, like, I have one book of JavaScript that I used and I found that the only way I could get anything out of it was I literally had to retype every single code sample. Yeah. Like, line by line by line. It was, like, really tedious. But that was, that worked. But this HTML one didn't work at all. And, um... And then I basically just, you know, I, I just, it was just, it was just relentless trial and error. And like I said, like I was really lucky that I had a lot of time on my hands at the time. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I sort of like I built a couple like, you know, just really, really simple static HTML and CSS websites. And that was, you know, and I think also, and I think this is similar, like I think we see this a lot of students who come through scale crash, which is that, you know, when I got into CSS, I got kind of hooked. Then you start to like really sort of enjoy yourself.
0: Oh, it's so true. Especially, Uh, especially nowadays with, uh, with CSS, because CSS can do so much more than it could two years ago or three years ago. Um, I think that it really unlocks this power and people are like, wow, I can make things move.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think I spent – I went down, like, a deep rabbit hole of, like, Porter radiuses, cover <laughs> effects and, like, all kinds of things. Um. Yeah, and it, and it was cool. Like, I mean, the thing that I try to – like, I talk to my students about a lot is, like, a lot of people are like, oh, like, I'm so intimidated. Like, there's so much to learn. Like, will I ever be good enough to, like, you know, will I ever know it all? And I always try to remind people that the thing is is that, like – the fact that things are always changing so quickly in tech can be like a real beginner advantage because you sort of start on whatever's the hottest and the latest. And so I was really lucky because right when I was starting to learn was like right when HTML5 was coming out and CSS3 was coming out. So I was just like, you know, learning that because that was what there was to learn. But then all of a sudden here I was like, and I was like, I know HTML five. I use it in all my sites. And everyone was like, Oh wow. you know. Um,
0: that's awesome because there's so many people who say uh, that it's very difficult nowadays for somebody to get into this, into the industry because it rapid, it changes so much, but that's like your perspective is the complete flip side of that. Um, where you think that the newbie kind of has this opportunity to like, learn what's current and only what's current and kind of helps so
1: yeah I think it gives you like a little bit like of a launch pad because I mean you just I mean you know and it's funny like we actually just had a student start today who was like I used to code in COBOL you know and it's not that there's anything wrong with that but I think sometimes and I find this even with myself like you get to this you get to a point sometimes where you just are used to something and you just are like I don't have the energy to like learn something new when I like know something that's like good enough um, yeah, so I think that's, that can be sort of an advantage for people who are just getting started.
0: Um, so I don't have to tell you, but I mean, to build something on the web takes a lot of confidence and motivation. Um, especially starting when you first start out, you know, getting that first hello world, it, you know, it takes, a, it takes a little bit and it takes motivation. What, as you were getting started, what kept you motivated to build something and to keep pushing?
1: So, um, I, the honest answer is that I started getting clients and I like, I think, I mean, it, it, it meant everything because basically like when someone was paying me, I like had to deliver the goods. Um, and I did, you know, and that's pretty much how I learned everything. Like I, um, I, I, I I, like, I, can't even remember how it all worked out, but basically my friend, like I had a friend who was like, Oh, like I'll show you how WordPress works. And I was like, okay, great. And (laughs) he He like quickly showed me how WordPress works and I started playing around with it. And then somehow and I don't, I honestly like could not tell you how, um, I got hooked up with this woman who wanted a customized blog and I was like, I can totally do this for you. No big deal. Like I'll build you a WordPress. It'll be great. Um, and I mean, she didn't pay me very much, but but it was payment, and that like held me accountable to another person. Um, and that was you know, and then I was off to the races. So then I just I did not bill by the hour because that would have been completely unreasonable. For um,
0: sure, I know exa- <laughs> I know exa- I, when I took my first freelance client, I was like, they came to me, they're like, we need a website. I was like, yes, I can do it. And I was like, they're like, how much? Uh, they're like, how much do you charge? How much will you pay me? <laughs>
1: Exactly. I mean, we're talking like a couple hundred dollars Yes, at the time was great because I was unemployed. So it was like, you know, it was like double my, my, uh, my salary for a week or whatever. Um, yeah. And then, and that just was, that was really, really great. And then, um, you know, and then I ended up sort of teaming up with some friends of mine and we built this sort of bigger web application. Like I did a couple of client projects. Um, and then, Um, We built this website and we submitted it to the New York City Big Apps competition, which is a competition that Bloomberg started where they basically they um, put out these data sets. It's sort of an open data government, open government initiative. And so they put out these data sets and they sort of invite technologists from around the world. Honestly, I think anyone can apply to build um, applications and submit them to the contest.
0: That's awesome. Um, And your
1: only requirement is that you use one of the data
0: sets. So let's just take a quick break and let me mention our two sponsors uh, for this week. I want to give a special thanks to expand the room for sponsoring this week's episode of how to hold a pencil expand the room is a boutique creative agency that specializes in, That specializes in developing amazing digital experiences and brands. Uh, Full disclosure, I started working at Expand the Room a few months ago, um, and it's been truly awesome. And I'm not just saying that because I work there. I've really enjoyed my experience. Um, And I'm excited to tell you, uh, listeners, that Expand the Room is on the lookout for new and emerging talent. Uh, head over to expandtheroom slash careers to learn more about available opportunities, and in your application, be sure to mention how to hold a pencil. Also, this week's uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Treehouse. Treehouse is on a mission to bring uh, affordable technology education to people everywhere to help them achieve their dreams and change the world. Head on over to trhou.se dot slash how to hold a pencil. Once again, that's trhou.se dot slash how to hold a pencil to sign up and get a free month trial of Treehouse. So Ada, I want to ask you sort of why you think uh, people should get out there and learn to code. I mean, it's you know it's been a buzz topic for a while now that people should get out and learn to code. There was Code Year from Code Academy that you know people in government signed up for, and everybody was talking about it, and it's really become this like buzz phrase. But why do you think people should go out and learn? to build websites or learn web development?
1: So I, um, I was reading on Wikipedia recently and they were talking about how, um, you know, sort of in the course of humanity and human history, we've had the um, agrarian revolution (laughs) um, where we learned to farm food. And then we had the industrial revolution where we learned how to manufacture things. Um, And then we've had, um, the digital revolution, and 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 they're calling this the dawning of the information age. Um, and I think, so to be very sort of um, grandiose about it, I think that we are in a moment of unbelievable change um, that is really fundamentally changing the way in which human beings interact. And I think that the way we're seeing it right now is through um, communication, but, um, you know, it's quickly starting to disrupt everything, including, you know, every industry you can imagine, um, with sort of the advent of cryptocurrencies, you're seeing it start to, you're seeing the internet start to disrupt our financial systems. Um, I think I would argue that what you're seeing, what you saw in, um, Egypt last year, and what you're seeing in the Ukraine and Venezuela is, um, you know, seeing how the internet is really helping to disrupt political systems. Um, So, you know, the internet and this, like, communication medium that we've created has the power to really affect everything. And um, I think it's just, it's about being able to understand how it works and then be able to not just be a passive consumer of it, but actually be somebody who's sort of, you know, is able to read and write in this kind of new language that we um, are using.
0: That's awesome. So I, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Skill Crush itself. Um, every time I talk to a founder of a company that is teaching people the web, and I've spoken to a lot of them, I like to find out uh, for my listeners specifically, how does your system of Skill Crush, how does your system, Skill Crush work for an individual student?
1: So the way, um, so it's interesting, like, you know, I'm a big believer in the glean methodologies. um, And so we've gone through a lot of iterations on our product and sort of figuring out like what really matters to people, what doesn't matter, you know, how do we um, differentiate ourselves from our competition? Um, How do we offer a service that's like specific and unique to our audience and serves their specific and unique needs. So for us, what we've really found is that, um, you know, the space we try to occupy because I I'm a big believer that like everyone, you know, can benefit from a little bit of everything, right? So, like, I personally, in my process, like, I read books. I did online tutorials that were free. I paid for some. Um, I did night classes. Like, I would love to enroll in a full-time program if I someday had the luxury of doing that. Like, I don't think that... Um, I'm sort of, I'm a believer in being sort of media agnostic and uh, trying a little bit of everything. And I think that, you know, it's all great.
0: I'm the, I'm the exact same way. I've, I've done Treehouse. I've done Skill Crush. I've done so many of them at this point.
1: (laughs) Totally. Um, yeah. And I think that's awesome. And I think that everyone should do a little bit of everything. Um, in terms of like what, like, you know, the, what we, we try to occupy the space. Like you've got the Academy. um, sort of you know, REPL, like you know, call and response kind of like I, I like I, I wouldn't call it like a game, but you know what I mean? It like has that sort of interactive yeah, feel to it. Of um, you know, free tour tutorial and then on the like on the very polar opposite you've got like the three month boot camps that are like full time, like forty to fifty hours a week, like in person. Um and what we've very expensive do- very sensitive yeah you know you have to quit your job and plunk down a bunch of money and like you know really really high commitment um and also like not really available to people necessarily unless they're in certain areas of the world um and what we want to do is occupy that space in between and so what we think what we look at and you know and it's just sort of like this is you know it's just and that's sort of determined by like who we are as people creating the company and then also like our audience and like what their needs are. Um, but we want to sort of be somewhere in between where we are offering the sort of convenience and flexibility and do, you know, of a code Academy and sort of do it on your own time. And we can have people who are in Australia and New Zealand and Canada and, you know, France, um, as our students or, you know, or just, you know, people from all over the country, which is really important to us. Um, And then, but at the same time, like provide people with the sort of, you know, mentorship and instructor um, support and the ability to, you know, and community that you would get in a more robust program to the extent that we're able to online.
0: Uh So
1: for us, like that, what that looks like in practice is that um, you sign up. For either one class or a series of courses, which we call blueprints, they start on a specific day. You're with a cohort of people, and you have a very specific instruct like you have a group of instructors, um, and those instructors are there to. So th- I should say the materials all online. It's all um, video and interactive and project based tutorials. It's a little bit of everything, right? So we do a little bit of what Code Academy is doing, a little bit of what Treehouse is doing. Um, you know, a little bit of our own thing. Like it just, it's kind of a, it's a, you know, it's a mix of a little bit of everything. And that just comes from, you know, us trying to take our creative license with, with learning online and, um, yeah. And then you have instructors and the, the idea is that these instructors are really there for you to, you know, meet you where you are. And so they'll answer your emails. Um, and do video office hours with you if you're you know struggling with something, or even if you just want to chat with them um, and then we do master classes where we introduce you to industry experts and let you sort of talk to the hear their stories um, and then we also just do a lot of community development so um, you know really, I think something that a lot of students really enjoy about taking our classes is that you end up meeting people and you meet people who all from all over the world from all walks of life who are similarly interested in um, learning about digital skills and um, it's really nice to see you know. People sort of those relationships between students grow and develop and even go you know beyond the bounds of our classes.
0: No, I have to say from my time that I was doing some Skill Skillcrush uh, coursework, uh, the JavaScript program, I found it really awesome the the level of community that you guys have built um, because you know others have other other software as forums and Facebook groups and whatnot, but yours is. The, the level of activity within the forums um, are, is really fantastic and it's very supportive and very friendly, um, which I think is awesome because I know that from my experience as I learned uh, over the past couple of years, it's been sort of um, – the community around me has been so – has been such an important piece to my learning process. You know, If you have a question, you go, on, uh, you go on Stack Overflow or you go to a Facebook group, but you guys have that built in and I think that's really awesome.
1: I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it's been um I mean I it's it's really gratifying as a um as a company founder to see something that was like a glimmer of hope in your eye really flourish and like really go like beyond your wildest expectations of what it could be. Um and I have to say like we switched things over to Mighty Bell um, so I just have to give a little shout out to mighty Bell and that was really a game changer for us. So we also found that sort of using their platform really opened up a whole new level of community that we um, hadn't hadn't we hadn't even seen before. so um, that was an interesting you know like learning process of learning how like software can really affect community
0: that's that's really cool. So I'm wondering what you um what would you, if somebody was just starting out on Skill Crush or just starting out learning um, web development, what one piece of advice would you give them um, to get them going and to keep them going?
1: It's a great question. Um, so, I mean, I guess the number one piece of advice I would say is, like, pick a project and see that project um, from start to finish. You need to pick something that's not going to um, be so you know, onerous or arduous or big that you're not going to be able to, to figure it out. Um, yeah, don't, I really... don't go
0: out there and start trying to build the new Facebook as yes, your first project. Exactly.
1: Um, so yeah, be very, very sort of modest in your project planning. But I think, you know, I think picking a project that is of interest to you is really key. Like, I think it's really important that but you're not just sort of doing a hello world app, you know, or just doing an exercise that you don't really care for, but actually sort of you know, are working on a project where you're really invested in the outcome and want to learn what you're going to need to learn um, in order to complete it.
0: How important do you think it is to share that project? Because one of the things about Skill Crush that I found in the community was that people were very quick to be like, hey, check out my project or check out, you know, how I changed the front page of Google. And they would share a screenshot or whatever. And I found that people were very like, uh, very supportive and very responsive to what people were sharing, so if you don't have the community that skill crush uh is, but do you believe that sharing your work is equally as important as having a project to work on
1: yeah that it's interesting I mean, I think you asked such interesting questions and i I like don't know that I would have <laughs> thought about that, but yes, I mean, I think in the same way that like for me, having somebody who was paying me held me accountable, I think that, you know, having someone outside of yourself know what you're doing and be in some part invested in what you're accomplishing um, is is really important um, to the process of just keeping with it. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know, you know, we're not, we are not machines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I have a couple of questions that I like to ask all of my guests um, and one is, uh, if you could go back to yourself when you, you know, I, I'm going to say when you first got fired from your last full time job before you started your agency and you started building websites for clients, uh, what piece of advice would you give yourself back then that you that you look back now and you're like, wow, I wish somebody would have told me that? I know it's it's one of the toughest questions that I ask all my guests. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. Um, I mean, first of all, I would say like, you know, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. (laughs) So (laughs) that's one. Um, I mean, I think, you know, for my own process of learning to code, like, because I, the two are very tied for me, obviously. um, I I think I struggled for a long time with, with the same problem. A lot of people struggle with, which is this fear that I wasn't going to be able to do it and um, and also that I was never going to be good enough for it to sort of be valuable. Um, and I think like I spent a lot of, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people take spend a lot of time sort of hemming and hawing about what they want to learn. Um, and I think often that's because they're afraid. So I spent a lot of time being like, JavaScript or Ruby, JavaScript or Ruby, JavaScript or Ruby. And it's like, it doesn't really matter, right? Like either one or both. It doesn't like, this is like, stop wasting your time trying to figure out that question. And I think really what I was doing was avoiding, um, you know, I think I had a fear that like, it's like I learned how to, to code in HTML and CSS. And, and I was like, okay, I got this, but can I really learn to program? Um, I think that's, it's really scary. Like it's really, really, it's crazy. It and, is. and in it, retrospect, it's crazy to think about. Cause I'm like, it, it's not that hard. It just isn't that hard. <laughs> I
0: think, I think what's hard for people is, uh, sort of, not necessarily the debate of what to learn. It's that everybody, there's so many things that you could learn, that oh i hear about this great class that'll teach me ios apps i hear about this great class that'll teach me ruby the ruby community is great the php community is awesome there's this class at general assembly and there's just so many things and figuring out where to go is very difficult for people so i think programs like skill crush and your blueprints are really sort of helping sort of set that guide in a way that things haven't done in a while so Besides Skill Crush, which I'm sure is your favorite thing that you've ever worked on, or I hope it is because I think it's awesome, what's, uh, what's, what is what's your favorite project besides Skill Crush?
1: Besides Skill Crush, so our agency that we ran, um, and I ran it with a couple of friends of mine, we specialized in um, digital news um, and data journalism. So we did awesome projects where we would take all this data and crunch it and sort of tell news stories with it. Um, And, I mean, there's, like, there's so many great projects that we worked on, like, lots of maps, lots of election. Like, we did a lot of, um, you know, sort of if you've ever watched TV on election night where they show, like, all the election results, like, in a crazy map, we would, like, build that for um, news websites. Oh, very good. um, Like, at one point, I was, we were doing it for, like, multiple news outlets in New York, and we were kind of like, oh, this is awkward. Um, We helped work on the London Olympics um, application for the New York which was really really fun and we like learned like totally weird random rules about all these weird random summer games <laughs> that like nobody ever watches or needs to know about
0: um i guarantee yeah. you i've played with multiple of your maps at some point i'm a bit of a political junkie so what does the future uh hold for you and for skill crush
1: so um uh, That's a great question. I mean, I guess like if I have my brothers, um, you know, it's just continuing to grow. I mean, what's so what I really am excited about sort of in this, you know, in this moment of being an entrepreneur at this juncture in time is that um, I feel like there's a really, really healthy sort of movement of companies who are companies that are for profit, but also really want to do good and where um, they really aligned kind of their business model with a social mission. So this is companies like Warby Parker is a good example, or Tom Shoes, or like, you know, a million different sort of clean product companies. Um, and one of the things that I love about Skill Crush is that, um, you know, our goal is really to make technology and digital skills accessible to people who it previously has felt alienating or inaccessible to. Um, and it's really wonderful to, to think about how, Like, you know, like in when you're in tech and you have to think about investment and all this stuff, you have to be like, I'm going to be a billion dollar company. And it's like, how are you going to reach like a million users? And it's really nice to be like, wow, like how much good could we do if we've reached a million users like that? Like that would be game changing. It would be amazing. Um, For sure. So, yeah, I mean, just continuing to grow the company. And, um, you know, the things I really love about sort of our initial user base is that, It's really, really diverse. We have a very high percentage of women, which is wonderful. Um, We really are – what is exciting to also, in addition to sort of racial diversity, we have a really, really diverse geographic distribution of users. So it's not people who are sort of in New York or San Francisco. So anyway, I think just continuing on that path, like really feeling like – really continuing to – find and sort of speak to and, and help people who are, um, who don't have access otherwise.
0: That's awesome. So the last question that I asked all my yes is where can my listeners find you on the internet, Twitter, website, et cetera?
1: Yeah, um, so I am not many places except for on skillcrush.com, where I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you can find me at skillcrush.com. Um, you can also go to digitalcareerblueprints.com. That um, was sort of a new initiative for the our new product launch. Um, I'm on Twitter. I usually just tweet from Skill Crush. Uh, every now and again, you'll catch me tweeting from Otto York, which is my handle, um, which is actually... I'm Icelandic, so Bjork is actually my middle name. It's not a reference to the singer. Um, <laughs>
0: That's a fantastic Twitter handle, I have to say.
1: Thank you. <laughs> um, I was really excited because I had autofjork.com, and then I, like, didn't pay my bill for, like, I let it last for a couple months, and some, like, Japanese company uh. squashed on it. I know. I'm so sad. <sighs> <sighs> Someday, when I'm rich and famous, I can get it back from them.
0: Um, <laughs> Good luck.
1: Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. That's really where you should
0: go. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show, Ada. I really appreciate it. Uh, your story of you know, overcoming being fired and working hard and learning a new skill and then offering to teach other people uh, and building a business off of that is really awesome. Um, and I think so many people are going to really enjoy the show. Uh, once again, I want to thank our two sponsors for this week, Treehouse and Expand the Room. I'll link to everything that me and Ada talked about in the show notes. And you can find those at www.howtoholdapencil.com. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Hold a Pencil. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Ruben Ingber. That's R-E-U-B-E-N-I-N-G-B-E-R. I'm just five away from a 1,000 followers. So I would love for you to follow me. And uh, I will see you all next week. And once again, thanks to my guest.
1: Thank you.